Connor Esiason, and you're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esiason Foundation and GunnerEsiason.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, Digital Credit Union, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esiason, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and not necessarily those of the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar Esiason, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, guys, it's Gunnar Asias, and welcome back to Breathe In. I'm always, I'm, as always, I'm joined by Tiffany Rich. Tiffany, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am well. And guess what? CF Awareness Month is just churning along here. We are just oh, bathed yeah. in purple as we, we continue are. to roll through CF Awareness Month. We are in it. We are in a purple, purple people eater. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember the purple people eater. Um, <laughs> So last week we had uh, we had a couple of guests on the podcast. We're going to do that again this week. Yep. Uh, this mm-hmm. week we're actually joined by two people who have CF this time. Uh, we go across the pond with Will Marler. You may know Will from the Straight from the Lungs podcast he's been doing uh, over the past uh, past several months here. And then of course Tiffany's friend Jackie Price. Yeah, I'm really excited about these. So we will- I hope everybody loves them. Yes, I hope everyone loves them too, because yeah. otherwise we've made a really bad choice in, in, That's true. in, in directing a podcast in this direction. But I still think it's a really cool thing that we're doing this uh, in yeah. May to hear from as many different people as possible. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, we're going to jump mm-hmm. into Will's interview. Uh, mm-hmm. Will, straight from the uh, straight from Longest Podcast. You, know, you, you may or may not recognize him. If you don't, take a listen and maybe mm-hmm. you'll, uh, maybe you'll jump on board his podcast train. All right, so we have a guest here in keeping with our, our strategy this May on the podcast. We're trying to get as many voices on here as possible. So in this sprint interview, we're talking with Will Marler, who's 24-year-old with cystic fibrosis from the United Kingdom. Will, how are you, bud? Yeah, good. Thank you. So, uh, Not bad. Um, so you're the reason you're on the podcast is because you actually have your own podcast, uh, the Straight from the Lungs podcast, although the way you do your podcast is a little different than the way we do ours. Uh, maybe you could talk about it, explain it to the listeners, uh, and uh, and really just give a, a rundown of what you're trying to do with it. Yeah, so um, I when I started the podcast, I wasn't aware of yours, nor was I aware of the stuff like the Jerry does and other people do with their podcasts. Um, but I wanted to create a podcast that was similar to the sort of things that I was listening to at the time. So um, there's a show called 99% Invisible, which is um, a podcast about design and architecture. And I love the way that they structured their stories. And so I wanted to create something with uh, CF in mind for that. So in 2016, um, in September 2016, I started to interview a couple of people. And um, as is always the way, you start talking to one person and then they lead you on to someone else that they know and that then sort of uh, grew from there. Mm-hmm. And um, as you said, our podcasts are just, we've got different styles. So um, I interviewed people, and this was back in 2016 when I started to interview people and just having sort of relaxed conversations. And you start to see common subjects come up. So things like diagnosis, um, where they went to school, university, maybe if they've got a partner or if they have done any fundraising or social media awareness stuff. Um, so after doing a 
about 20 interviews I started to put together an, an idea of each episode. So, so to, to, to clarify for the listeners, the way you do it is you have a bunch of interviews centering around a single topic, right? So you have yeah. a number of different people talking about, for example, diagnosis, going to school, working, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, so, so, so after, you, you know, you went to this, uh, what, wh- I guess, when did this start to take shape? How far into the process? Well, I actually had, because, you know, life gets in the way sometimes when you do these sort of projects. Uh-huh. I did a, a lot of the sort of first bit of work with interviewing people and having, you know, when you start a creative project, I'm an animator, so I've, I've got a lot of um, experience of starting creative projects and you think of all the different things you can do <laughs> and you have to sort of rein yourself in a bit sometimes. Um, I started doing that and then my job and all these other things got in the way. So I had a bit of a delay um with actually ha- having all of these interviews recorded and collected between habit at that point and then actually putting them together so i did the sort of did most of the editing work last started that like last april mm-hmm. and yeah so i collected these interviews put them together and the sort of style of it is very much that i introduce someone um or i introduce the topic and then someone will come in and i maybe give a bit of context about who they are but I sort of then take a step back because one of the big things about the podcast that I always wanted to get across and the reason why it features so many different people, so many different topics is because my CF story is the tiniest you know, proportion of the actual overall CF experience. There's a lot of things that other people in the CF community can provide in terms of storytelling and in terms of their experiences that I can't. So whether that's because I don't have um, certain symptoms like I don't have CF-related diabetes or if it's because of a different perspective of someone being a woman compared to being myself a man um, or being uh, from the US or as opposed to being from the UK. So there's lots of different perspectives and people even have, I know you've had, um, you had the discussion with Morgan about the Five Feet Apart film and people like that have different opinions on cross-infection and it's sort of getting a whole community voice and instead of me being here and talking about my experiences, which would be useful to some people, but then it'd only take them so far, actually featuring everyone else. So the moment in a story when I become uh, unimportant, when it's it, it's the other person that needs to take over, that's when my sort of voiceover bits that I record afterwards then stop and I let them speak. Um, and I've actually been very fortunate as well to work with some great people to turn the podcast into a bit more of a, um, a larger project. So, for example, I've got a whole soundtrack of music that I include as well. Um, my partner, Vicky, she does the illustrations for each episode on the website, and that helps with things like social media. Um, so, yeah, each episode having these individual topics accompanied with illustrations and then the music really helps to lift certain stories as well. So. A lot of uh, there's a lot of different range of emotions um, in different stories. Whether it's optimism, someone like I've spoken to Nick Talbot about climbing Everest, or whether it's um, a woman who's lost her daughter. So you know, you get that whole spectrum of the really amazing things, the really uh, horrible things, and also the really normal things. The music helps to sort of accompany all the different range of emotions 
um, yeah, so I'm really lucky to be able to work with this big team of people as so well as it's just been me. The, uh, I, I, let's go through the numbers a little bit. I mean, you, you told me that you did, uh, you know, 50 interviews. Uh, of those 50 interviews, 23 different people have cystic fibrosis. So you really are bringing in a number of different perspectives. And those 23 people with CF live in three different countries, you know, Canada, the United States, and then, of course, the United Kingdom, where you're from. So, you know, I, I think that's... <clears throat> What I love about Straight from the Lungs is how many voices there are talking about a very singular topic, and you really do dive into the fact that uh, the CF experience is so different from person to person. I mean, you have 23 different people with CF on there talking about the large topic, cystic fibrosis, but you're getting it from so many different angles, uh, and you I, I I find it to be a very rare occurrence on your podcast to, to hear, you know, two or three people having the exact same opinion about something. You know, I think it does a really good job of contrasting uh, a lot of the ideas. So, you know, you, you started the project in 2016, September 2016, and then after two years of backbreaking work, you finally got the podcast released in September of 2018. Uh, you know, what was the, what was it like leading up to uh, up to that? I know you had the CF Trust on board. You know, you, you kind of did a little bit of a whirlwind PR tour. Uh, you know what? What was that like, and what has the response been since then? Well, I always, whenever I create um, any sort of project, people that know me will know that I, I don't like to do things by half. So I always think, well, if I'm doing something like this, I might as well do it properly and do mm-hmm. it to the best of my ability. Sometimes to a fault of myself, <laughs> having you know, burning out after a long stint of work. But um, yeah, so in April, doing a, a lot of it. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't set a deadline until I had things more in place so uh-huh. the april stuff was uh, it was a quite a fun experience actually finally getting these things together finally creating things that sounded like episodes then leading up to that september um that's when i thought okay i'm going to set myself the deadline and the deadline wasn't actually in my control because i said i wanted to launch it at the cystic fibrosis conference that the cf trust put on every year um so I had my deadline of the 11th of September 2018. That was my, you know, when I was going to launch the first episode so that I could do it on stage and then say it's now live. Um, And the idea was that I, and I got this also inspired by 99% Visible. They did a TED talk where Mm. uh, Roman Mars, the host, was on stage and they were talking about the uh, topic of flag design. But he was speaking on stage doing his usual sort of host bits and then he pressed a button on his ipad and then someone else would come in a previously recorded interview and that's exactly the sort of style that i ended up using in the podcast anyway so i decided to do the same thing i had introduced the podcast i press a button bring the music in and then i can say you know um talking about the topic of diagnosis and then kirsty uh, press a button kirsty s- starts talking about you know, her story of her children with cf and just going through the episode as I would, but it's just a live environment. Mm-hmm. So I had that as a deadline and leading up to that. And then I remember speaking to them and they sent me an email saying, oh, our host for the conference has dropped out. You do stand-up comedy. Do you want to be the host for the thing? Do you want to introduce all the speakers and everything? And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. That'll be fine. I'll do my thing. And then, but then I'll also be there from the very start of the conference and introducing people and everything, which is really fun as well. And actually made it, um, that was the sort of nerve-wracking bit, getting up on stage to do mm-hmm. that bit. And then as soon as it was my actual straight from the lungs launch, I'd already been on stage all morning anyway. So it was, you know, I'd already broken that thing in. Um, 
I didn't realize yes. that actually had happened. I didn't realize that you actually ended up taking over the conference yourself. Um, I, I, I actually, I, believe it or not, I, I totally appreciate the CF Trust, uh, you know, really doing that, having a patient being the one to lead the conference. You know, one of the things that we struggle with here in the United States is that our North American Cystic Fibrosis Conference is very exclusive to people who don't have cystic fibrosis. So, which seems, which seems mad. Yeah, it? it's, it's like, it's a crazy thing. It's just not at all accessible for patients. I mean, they, they claim that it is with you know, some limited live stream, but it's, it's all like a big appeasement in my opinion. So we're, we're it's one of those things we're working on. And I, uh, I'm really happy to hear that they actually gave you the reins and actually led yeah. the conference. Well, one of this, I, I totally understand as well, with these sort of conferences, right, you invite one person with CF and then you have to just shut it off. You can't mm-hmm. you can't have tickets sold to people with CF. You can't have more than one speaker with CF. And I understand the limitations of that because of cross-infection and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, but, but we're living thought, in a virtual world, though, you know? Like, we're living well, exactly. in, like... Yeah, exactly. And also with the podcast, what I can do is, although I'm, I'm the person with CF that's there on stage, actually, the people there heard from about seven different people with CF mm-hmm. because my podcast, I could press, press a button and then a quote that from someone else would come in and there could certainly be, and, and again, as you say, speakers from North America or whatever it is that the CF trust might not necessarily have access to. Similarly, um, when the Boomer Sison Foundation or the CF Foundation does things, I imagine that there's a, a less of uh, a input from people in the UK mm-hmm. and you know, so for me to be able to have on stage virtually these whatever seven different—I mean, there was a bit in the in the live launch where I talk about treatment, mm-hmm. and I also talk about the fact that everyone has a different thing that they do treatment-wise, what they focus on, or different things that they have to take in the morning, medicine-wise. So you know, I press my—I do my thing about what I do day to day, and then on my iPad, I'm able to um, press the button that then allows this collage of people that I've already edited together, um, you know, from America, from the UK, male, female, different ages, um, parent as well that was saying about the fact that her two, her two children with CF have different needs. Um, and then you've got someone, you know, you've got Veronica saying that she started doing yoga because that helped with her joint um, pain. You've got Jerry saying, Jerry Cahill saying that his, um, focus was cycling and um you've got uh nick talbot saying the fact that he actually doesn't need to take creon because he doesn't have pancreatic insufficiency so all of these different things are covered in a way that because of cross infection mm-hmm. you can't have that and it i've found cross infection to be obviously it's a quite a thorny issue in the cf community but it seems somewhat you i know it's not just within cf i'm sure there's a lot of other things that have a similar policy but it seems like quite a unique challenge that we've got yeah, where definitely. at a conference where you're talking about something like CF, you can't have loads of people talking about CF. So therefore, you've got to have sort of like it's got to go through with a, like a, it's got to be delivered secondhand. Mm-hmm. And I know you're quite uh, sort of vocal about people um, who, yes, they may have studied CF their entire lives, but it's a totally different story to actually hearing it directly from someone like yourself who who knows their own body and knows CF from a first-hand perspective. I do find it quite funny sometimes when you, the most, you know, it's quite a new thing that we're hearing directly from patients, whereas that seems like it'd be quite a sort of obvious choice to make, I guess. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, Will. You know, I I think, 
the 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 issue of cross infection really it does <clears throat> require outside the box thinking to overcome you know the, the collective voice you know <clears throat> I, I always think back about um, a, a, you know it was, I think it was an article on on NPR or I, I forget where it was the National Public Radio here in the United States and it talked about um, a, a breast cancer conference, right? And the idea was that uh, the information from the breast cancer conference was not getting out into the community, right? Because the, the patients were reliant on the physicians and, and whomever else to be at this conference to disseminate that that information into the larger community. But as soon as patients sort of got the invite or were included in the day-to-day runnings of the conference, and you know, as I'm sure you know from being at the CF Trust Conference, you know, the, the presentations are only one part of it. The other part of it is also, you know, the water cooler talks, the you know, the walking around, meeting researchers, you know, physicians and stuff like that. As soon as patients were included in that part of it, the amount of information that left the conference and made it into the patient community increased exponentially, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's like a no-brainer that, that, yeah. that that's something that needs to happen, you know, across the board here. And I think, uh, you know, obviously you hosting, you're, you're, like you said, you, you're one person that's, that gets to experience it. That's, that's something that I think is uh, – it's a start, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's you know, the point one of however many infinite points of progress that need to be made in, in this specific space. And I think you, including so many voices, really speaks to not only what your podcast is trying to do, but also you as a person. You know, you're not trying to monopolize the airtime. You're trying yeah. to give as much, uh, you know, airtime or even space for other people to be as creative and talk about their specific moments with cystic fibrosis. You know, you mentioned the five feet apart thing a few minutes ago. You know, my biggest issue with that was that, you know, that was that was one straight singular view of cystic fibrosis in such a large way. I mean, they showed three very sick people on there. Right? They didn't show anyone who was actually achieving something of, you know, you know, climbing Mount Everest, for example, or doing something you know creative like you're doing and, and sharing a lot of perspectives. So I think that's, you know, one of my criticisms of that of that particular project. And you, on the other hand, you're doing something that is very, very inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I think the. um yeah, it'd be like I said. I can only give so much, but it's we've got to sort of include everyone else. And I, there are, you know, I imagine there are some people that would see, you know, you create a podcast and you create a, you know, whether it's vlogging or whatever. And it's even more nowadays. People, individual people, can become these personalities because mm-hmm. they create, you know, they gain an audience and everything. And there's some really great vloggers that are very much people go to watch their v- videos and it's about their lives and everything. But I thought, yeah, they, I, it didn't, I don't want it to become the Will Marner show because, I mean, firstly, because um, I mean, we spoke about this when uh, I was on the Making It Matter podcast with you and Julia, where at university I did Pet Mask, my mm-hmm. animated film. So I've already sort of done the my CF uh, in a creative project. And I definitely, you know, I definitely do share my own experiences within Straight From the Lungs, but it's within the context of everyone else as well. Um, you know, I will... Um, I've got my own stories in there. And as you've said, um, you've got my parents in there. You've got my grandmother in the second episode. And <laughs> yeah, you've got, which is a, a, a great thing about the podcast, which is sort of unfortunate within the CF community, but is, is still relevant here is, for example, my grandmother, I, uh, I recorded that interview in August and in November she passed away she was ill she was getting ill she was getting worse I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be that quick but um, I knew that it was sort of a case of right here's the opportunity to speak to her about this little story and you need to take it now because who knows Mm -hmm. and then yeah three months later she um, she died so 
having that recording is a little memory. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. captured forever. In the same way that I imagine you and Tiffany find sort of comfort in the fact that Leah is preserved in the previous episodes of your podcast and, you know, voice and personality and all these things. And you never know what's around the corner for, especially for something like cystic fibrosis. So these people uh, will live on throughout mm -hmm. your podcast and my podcast. And, you know, I mean, I spoke to Becky, who has a, had a daughter, Elle, who passed away in at the start of 2018. I was originally, I spoke to Becky first because she, they did like a charity thing where, or an awareness thing where called Elle's Wishes, where she was waiting for a lung transplant and it was like, okay, that's her first wish, but then what can, what would she love to do between now and getting lung transplant? It was like, you know, going to Disneyland and uh, meeting certain celebrities and whatever it is. Um, I was going to speak to Elle also um, about, you know, being doing these Elle's wishes, what's her favourite wish, you know, what's it like um, people knowing about your story and all that sort of stuff. And then she died before I had the opportunity. So then the interview turned into me speaking to Becky about Elle dying and about her legacy living on. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, with the CF community, you don't know what's around the corner. And But having the opportunity to be able to preserve these stories in a way that necessarily, you know, might just go, go and get forgotten, you know, is, is quite a powerful thing. And so it'd be stupid for me not to include these different people's opinions because I'm learning a huge amount along the way. I'm, you know, I, I have my personal CF experience mm -hmm. and before doing the podcast, I didn't actually have a huge involvement within the wider community. I actively avoided it, to be honest, because of the understanding that, yeah, I'm, if I make friends online, I'm never going to be able to meet up a person. That'd be difficult. If I meet someone online and they pass away or get very ill, that'd be very difficult. So I, all of these things sort of held me back from wanting to be part of the wider community. But actually being involved in that now, doing the podcast, you know, I've learned a huge amount about CF that, you know, your doctors don't tell you everything. Mm -hmm. they, they often tell you only the things that are relevant to your own experience. And even if you have heard of, you know, I have the glucose tolerance test every year to check for my, you know, make sure I've not got CF-related diabetes, but I don't actually know what it's like to have that because they've never needed to tell me. I didn't know anything really about the process of being listed for a transplant or, um, you know, all the other different complications, the fact that, you know, bone density is affected and, um, you know, just different people's opinions mm -hmm. on things like cross-infection. I've never come across anyone that was a bit more relaxed about it, but... I know there are definitely some people that are, and that's their sort of own way of looking at it. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely learned a huge amount, and that only came from me opening it up to the wider community. If I kept it just to myself, then it would be, I think, nowhere near as, as mm -hmm. useful as people have been able to find it. Yeah, you know, I, I, you make a, a lot of good points there, and I, I think, you know, to go back to, uh, you know, your, your grandmother, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, by the way, but, you know, I think, I, personally, I, I consider myself to be extremely blessed to have, you know, hours of Leah's voice saved on my on my computer, you know, I, I think that's just like, um, you know, if she could have ever, you know, have given me a gift, you know, before before she left, you know, her earthly presence, you know, that's, that, that's you know the best gift I could have ever gotten. So, um, you know, I, I you hit the nail on the head there, and I think the the idea that we 
can now individually, you know, you don't need to be like a, a radio star or a TV star to be able to do these things. Uh, you, know, you kind of just do it like we're just doing this on Skype right now. You know, it's like a low cost thing. Um, to, to be able to do this is, is really a, uh, a, certainly a blessing for, for people living with, you know, any chronic or terminal illness that, um, you know, where the, t- where the clock is, is ticking a little faster for all of us. So, uh, I think that's certainly a, an added benefit to, to this experience, uh, for sure. Um, now, you know, I, I also, you know, I want to talk about the actual, um, <clears throat> you know, the run of the podcast. So, you know, I, you released some of it in the fall, kind of took a little bit of a break. Now it's back. Uh, you know, in, in the last few minutes that we have here, what what is the plan moving forward for Straight from the Lungs, and where where do you see it going, and what kind of you know overall response have you gotten? So, um, when I started to create these um, episodes and think about what these topics came out as um, from speaking to different people, what were the um, things that kept cropping up, like topics like school and whatever, I came up originally with ten episodes, then expanded a couple of them into. Um, a run of 14 episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's my sort of focus. Um, it's not going to be uh, a podcast like, um, you know, Breathe In, where it's sort of, you keep going. Um, I've wanted to f- just focus on these first 14 episodes to begin with. And as you said, I released the first four um, in starting September last year. I'm back to release the next four, um, which the uh, university episode went up yesterday. Um, so that was 9th of April. And then, um, each week following this for the next three weeks I'll be releasing more episodes and then I'll take a break because again just to be able to dip in and out of the podcast let you know I need to I need to work as an animator yeah, no, I, I get it I get it other things <laughs> as well um, but then uh, so the ones that I released before were an introduction which is called cystic fibrosis and then diagnosis treatment in school and then this one I'm working on at the moment is university work hospital and love and then the ones coming up which uh this next the ninth episode is the one that you'll be featuring in about charity talking about boomer science foundation um and then social media transplants um creativity mental health and loss so we've only scratched the surface really of the sort of topics that i'll uh-huh. be making episodes on they'll be coming out in sort of um the next i'd like to I, i'm not sure when they'll all be out but Definitely within the next sort of year, they'll be coming out every now and then. Uh-huh. I, um, I, I love the. Uh, sorry to interject, and I'll let you get back to it. But you know, I I, I do uh, love the the way you're doing the podcast. It sort of feels like a, a show, for example, right? You know, it's the kind yeah. of thing that you know someone can binge listen to, you know, in car rides or at work or whatever. And then you know, you take a little bit of break, and then you come back for the next quote unquote season or you know something yeah. like that. I know you're not calling them different seasons, but you know, I think that's uh, the way that I've kind of looked at it. You know. It's sort of like the, the big podcast here in the States was Serial for a while where it was just a giant, you know, run of episodes and then it kind of came to an end and then it came back a year later. So I think, you know, looking at Straight from the Lungs in that, in that perspective is certainly valuable for someone who's trying to, to um, you know, to put a picture to what you're talking about right now. And there'll be different things that people will, you know, be relevant to them. Like mm-hmm. if you're a, if you're a parent of a newly diagnosed child, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily going to need to listen to the episode about getting a job or going to university <laughs> until potentially, you know, in the future. Whereas going to the episode about going to school, you might want to listen to to, to sort of um, find more about that. But actually, you might be wanting to hear mainly focusing on the first episode, you know, what is CF and hearing from different people. 
or the second episode about diagnosis. So different people have different things they're interested in. But um, as you said about the sort of reaction that I've had so far, I've, I've had a really good sort of start of this. Um, as I've said, there's only five episodes of the 14 that I'm producing but so far, so we've got um, still much more to come. But I've already had, I'm nearly up to around 4,000 total downloads um looking at the stats and i've had downloads from you know i don't understand how some people find the podcast to be honest because i've had it from so many different countries i know i know you've probably probably seen stats where you like someone's coming from the united arab emirates or something and you're like how are you finding this pod you know from that um but one of the great things that i've found is not necessarily this the stats are great and everything but it's actually when i was at the cf conference one of the best things about um, one of the reasons I think it was important for me as a CF patient to be there um, and why that sort of thing is important at those conferences is I spoke at a really long chat with um, a, a two women. One was a um, new mother to a person with CF and then the other had, I think, a sister with CF. And especially the person who's, um, you know, got a very young son, the optimism that I'd like to get across with the with the episodes, but also with particularly with the um, with the one I did at the conference. Again, trying to get across the idea that we're normal, we have different lives, but we have some you know some of us lead very exciting lives, but actually a lot of people just just are able to just be normal people. Um, and involving my stories and me being there, but also like I said, these other individual voices. The fact that you can get that across in a personal sense. I think really had a strong effect on them. I had, a, like I said, I had a long chat and I think they felt very encouraged and optimistic about what I was saying. And if that was coming from a secondhand source from a charity saying, these are the statistics of people that can go to university with CF or these are the stories, but they're not actually there in person. I think for me to be able to be there, to say, for example, that I ran the London Marathon or that I created this podcast or Katie is a, is a theatre actress or Veronica, you know, cat called a guy on a beach and then married him <laughs> in a, a couple of months later and they're still happily together and married and everything, or Nick doing Everest, whatever it is. Um, to have that personal aspect has been great, and especially the response I've had from that, individual people saying, you know, it's been really great, I'm really excited about the next episodes, you know, I've, I've, um, I was happy for you to take all the time you needed off from that, but now I'm so happy that they're back, or... You know, just people, um, just the friends that I've made that along the way that have just said, you know, I think it's really great what you're doing. And um, I've had, like I said, I've had good support from the CF Trust. They've been very helpful with doing um, the different bits of social media. I mean, actually allowing me to do the launch of the conference in the first place has been great. Um, and I had a feature in their CF Life newsletter magazine that came out recently, um, which was really great. You know, to be honest, I like to think this is just the start. You know, I've, I've only scratched the surface, like I said, about the different topics that I like to speak about, and um, there'll be some in the future that are quite actually, will actually be quite difficult listens, I think. So things like, for example, loss will be um, very difficult, I think, for me to edit, but also to to listen to. But actually, hopefully, it'll still be just as emotionally worthwhile. Um, but then there are other, you know, really fun stories that. You know, it's not all bad stuff. It's it's some really great, fun stuff that I've not actually edited together yet, but I'll be looking forward to that in the future. Um, so, yeah, I've had a, it's been a really good run so far, but it's only the start, I'd like to think. 
Great. So, I, um, Will, where can people find the podcast? So, um, it's on. it lives on lungspodcast.co.uk. That's the website. And then from there, you can also see all the different social media links. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In terms of actually listening to the podcast, you can listen to it directly on the website. Each episode uh, is on there, along with the extra breaths, which are the mm-hmm. bonus bits that don't make it into the main episode. But then in terms of the actual, you know, if you whether you listen to podcasts on iTunes or Spotify, I've tried to get it on as many different services as mm-hmm. possible. So it's on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Radio Public, um, yeah, Stitcher, um, Podbean, you know, so all these different things. And actually, if you go on the listen page on my website, lungspodcast.co.uk, there's a little submission form at the bottom. So if I've missed out a service that, you know, I listen to podcasts on xyz podcast uh-huh. you know app or whatever just put a little thing there saying mm. you know your name and your email address and what you listen to it on what you'd like me to submit it to and if i can i'll put it up on there and then get back to the person and say okay here's the link to listen to it on your favorite podcast app so yeah i'm i'm pretty sure they'll be able to whoever wants to listen to it will be able to listen to it anywhere but also the social media things and the website is great because you get to see the illustrations for each episode of the podcast and the social media, um, Instagram, pretty much every single day, the most recent episode of the podcast, I'll be posting quotes from there, um, which you know you can save on Instagram. You can add them to your albums or whatever you want and share them across Twitter, same sort of thing, and Facebook as well. But yeah, lungspodcast.co.uk is where it all lives and you can go to all the different links from there. Awesome. Well, uh, for everyone who's listening out there, if you haven't listened to Straight From The Lungs yet, certainly give it a listen. Uh, I uh, totally am supportive of, uh, of Will's project. I think it's awesome, especially getting as many voices from the CF community all over the world involved in a single place is uh, really amazing. Uh, I, Will, I also appreciate you telling me the story about the CF conference. I love that. Uh, I want to see more of that. So shout out to the CF Trust for, for doing that, for including you and taking a risk and, and getting a patient up there and, and really making you know, you the center of attention, but you also, uh, you know, dividing that, that, that spotlight into a number of other voices as well. So shout out to you. Um, that's it for us. Thanks so much for, for listening to this interview and, uh, will be well, my man, and, uh, be in touch with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. All right. Again, I want to say thanks to Will uh, for yeah. joining the Breathe In podcast this time. He's actually going from one podcast to the other. Uh, <laughs> so I I appreciate him coming on a competing podcast. Um, sure. But are we actually really competing now? We're all kind of working together no. uh, for the same thing. We all thing. have the same goal. Yes, we do. Same we, goal. We, we do all have the same goal. <laughs> um, so now, Tiffany, I'll let, I'll let you uh, uh, introduce your, your interview. Yeah. So Jackie is one of my transplant friends who had a double lung transplant And she has a wonderful story, and I look forward to you guys listening. Okay, so I'm joined with Jackie Price. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy CF Awareness Month. Yeah, so exciting. I've already seen so many posts on Instagram. Yeah, it's great to see that people are really getting into it and wanting to talk about CF because... Like we know, it's an invisible illness, and a lot of people don't know. It's rare. So we just need to get that information out. So I'm so excited to have you on and tell your story about your CF life. Um, You had a double lung transplant, like I did, and your story is a little bit different. Like, everybody has their own story, but I wanted you to kind of tell everybody about yourself, and we can get into it. Okay. Um, So I I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at birth. 
Um, actually, I think like TIFF, I also had the um, basically an intestinal blockage in utero. That's what you had, right? Yeah. So um, that's how I was diagnosed. And pretty much my whole life, I mainly had sinus and intestinal problems. And then in high school, like CF is progressive, so my lungs started to decline um, in high school, really. And so I went to college, and my lungs, not going to lie, declined a little bit at college just because, um, I don't know, priorities. I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make it sound no. I don't want to make it sound bad. But no, like, I get it. College, yeah. college days, I think we all go through it, and it yeah. is normal to, yeah. yeah. It's like you just are kind of like wanting to have fun, and mm-hmm. sometimes you just skip out on your treatments. So, um, but overall, I like was walking a lot and stuff. So my lung function actually maintained mm-hmm. um, during college. So it wasn't bad, but it's not like I was, you know, doing amazing. Um, so I graduated, moved to Raleigh, and. Um, I came home in 2015. I graduated in 2013. I came home in 2015 because I had, I was just like really, really sick and I didn't feel comfortable living in a state where I didn't have any family there anymore um, because I was basically doing home IVs by myself. I was still working full time. So I was waking up really early in the morning to change my IVs, going to work for eight hours. So it just was, like, a lot to do on your own. It'd be different if you had, like, your mom or brother or even any family member there. So um, after I got really sick, I decided to move home. And then um, I recovered from that. That was actually the first time I was ever on oxygen. Mm -hmm. And my, my doctors at my current hospital, like, helped me out, and I recovered from that. And I went on to get another job full-time. I moved out again from my parents' house, like, eight months later. And I was doing pretty well. My lung function was about, like, 30, 28 to 30 around there. Mm -hmm. And, of course, with CF, you get fatigued and all that. So about every three years, my body just needs sinus surgery. Okay. Things just start getting cruddy up there that, like, just can't be fixed except for sinus surgery. So... It was around that time, and then my lung function was on a slow decline, but I was also having a lot of fatigue and all this, but I was still working full-time. Wow. But So I was thinking, as well as all of my doctors were thinking, oh, she probably just needs sinus surgery. Mm-hmm. It's been exactly three years. Like, it's time. Right. So we, I go in for sinus surgery. Everything goes well, cleans it out. Everything's good. And... That night after sinus surgery, I get a really bad nosebleed, um, which is common, especially after sinus surgery. If you, like, are profusely coughing, there's pressure when you cough. So, and then um, the next morning, all of a sudden, my oxygen had dropped and my numbers were all wonky. So they transferred me down to the step-down ICU. So lo and behold, um, I'd had a fungal infection that was in my bloodstream. So likely, I either... It got it into my nose, and uh-huh. it got into my bloodstream that way, oh or I ingested gosh. it or something. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, so I guess they think that blood that, when I had the nose bleed, the blood dripped into my lungs. Oh. Yeah. So then the fungal infection that I had was really rare, really hard to fight. So it basically just blew up, because mm. I was already compromised, you know, having CF, you're like, kind of weakened immune right. system anyways. Right. 
Um, so I was placed in a medically induced coma and then my lungs, the hope was that my lungs would recover with me, like with me resting, but Mm -hmm. they actually just got worse. So I was put on ECMO and then my doctors told my parents, you know, the only chance is for us to get her new lungs. They're just no way. I I couldn't believe like your, what your parents were thinking. You went in for sinus surgery. I know. And you had to do all this and it's like, oh, we need new lungs now. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it was, how does that happen? (laughs) It was one of those things, it was one of those things where it was like, I knew eventually I would need a transplant. My lung function was 28% Okay. and it wasn't increasing at all. Mm -hmm. But not that soon. Yeah, I was thinking three years. Yeah. That was my, that was my timeline. I thought, you know, in three years I'll probably need a transplant, Mm -hmm. just a progression. So, yeah, I definitely wasn't thinking – I actually was at one of my really good friend's houses, like, a month before all this happened, and she asked about transplant, and I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm eventually going to need one, but it's probably not going to be for a few years. Right. And then, lo lo and behold, a month later. Oh, here we go. (laughs) So, I actually left work for the sinus surgery, which was on a Friday morning, Mm -hmm. on Wednesday, and I told my doc, my manager, sorry, I was like, oh, sinus surgery is easy peasy. I should be back to work. I should be back to work by the end of next week. Um, little did they know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that definitely did not happen. Um, so basically, my parents decided with my doctor to list me for a transplant. And at this time, I was in a medically induced coma. So mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on. Oh my I knew I was really sick, obviously, when oh, they first put me in the coma. Because yeah. you don't just have to go into a medically induced coma. But... Right. And uh, my friend actually texted me when I woke up, I'm so glad I got to see you. And the day before I was put in a medically induced coma, it's very blurry because the the medication kind of has amnesia effect. And so I was confused, like, what? She's from another area of Virginia, so I don't really see her often. So I wasn't sure, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So Yeah. she, She said she had actually come to visit me on Sunday. Wow. And she said she could tell I was really sick, but I was still like, she did what she wouldn't have expected. Like twelve hours later, mm-hmm. I would be in a medically induced coma. So, wow. yeah, that's that's crazy. Okay, so you got into medically induced coma, and then how long was it until you got lungs? Because I assume you got your lungs. Because here you yeah. Are. <laughs> so um, I was put in a medically induced coma on like Monday, mm-hmm. and then. Wednesday, I was placed on ECMO because my lungs had just completely failed. Um, And then Friday morning, my doctors decided with my parents, we need to list her. So they spent the entire day rushing around. My doctor was just trying to get the paperwork to the insurance company because if they closed Friday at 5 p.m., you can't get approval for a transplant till Monday. That's so true. Yeah, that so they were they were rushing against the clock basically to get my insurance to approve yeah. me for a transplant, and then on Saturday night, so Sunday around like two a.m., my donor got into a car accident. Okay. So my parents were notified Sunday afternoon there was a possible donor match. Okay. So from Friday and then Sunday was the match, and then I didn't actually get my transplant for two days later, mm-hmm. till Tuesday night. Okay. And I kind of thought it was like, oh, wow, that's a really long period of time. And I always wondered why. But Mm -hmm. I realized 
So I actually got to meet my donor's family, and I have spent some time with them. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and I know a lot about my donor, and I'm always thankful for her. And yes. um, But the mother told me that she just was really in denial about the accident, so okay. she actually had them do the test to see if there was brain activity for, like, two days in a row okay. before she would let them pronounce her dead so even though yeah Yeah. so even though there was a possible match Mm -hmm. she wasn't pronounced dead until a couple days later so and then I I know (laughs) I went into surgery Wednesday night and it was 11 hours and I I also had an emergency intestinal surgery during my transplant (laughs) yeah dang girl that's just a lot so what was the what was the intestinal surgery for um, so during my transplant, I guess my stomach just like started expanding really rapidly and oh. they didn't know what was, they didn't know what was wrong. So they called in a trauma surgeon. He was actually in another surgery and he yeah. had to leave and, um, they had to open me up and I had a massive hematoma that had formed behind my intestines that oh. they had to remove. My goodness. So. Wow. Well, that yeah, was my mom. intense. My mom said everyone was basically under a blanket, like not speaking at all during the whole thing. I'm sure. It's just because it was so quick, too. Yeah. And, like, you can prepare. Yeah, there was, like, no preparation. That's how I tell people. It's, I think, so I was in a coma for a month, so I actually didn't wake up till about two weeks after my transplant. And I told my mom, like, I was... It was such a weird feeling because I was so grateful that I was alive. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, a month before that, I was going out with my friends. I was yeah. working. So I also felt like my life was just ripped away from me right. without any warning. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't move. I couldn't sit up on my own. I, yep. I mean, I could. my muscles had atrophied so bad that yeah. I could lift my fingers. That was the most I could do. That's, so That's just so hard. Yeah. Because I know with me, I, you know, I was stuck in bed, but I... I could get up and stuff. I didn't go through anything like you, but I my my muscles were gone just for the little time that I couldn't. You know, and you're here laying down the whole time. You couldn't get up. You were yeah exactly in a coma. <laughs> so, yeah. which is insane to me, and I'm very glad for your donor and you being here. Yeah. So, let's talk about like. After you recovered. Yeah. Yeah. So how was the recovery and how long were you in the hospital? And then have you had any other things happen after? Um, I was in the hospital for four and a half months after my transplant. Okay. So I went, I got to go home in October. Okay. At that point, I was still using a walker. If I tried to stand up on my own, I would have just fallen. Um, I couldn't drive or anything, obviously. And... So I started physical therapy and everything started going. So in January, I stopped using the walker. So I was on it for like nine months. I still had a limp, but but I felt like I was able to get more strength back by trying to walk on my own. So, um, and everything was going really well. And I went back to work in May. My goal was to be back to work one year after my transplant. Um, so I did go back eight hours a week, so it wasn't much, but it was something. Right. And, uh, I was, I worked pretty much all summer and then I started having problems with my hip. Okay. So I woke up one day, this was actually before I went back to work, um, in about March. 
I woke up one morning and I was really sick other places, like just mm-hmm. feeling like I had the flu. Ugh. And I stand up, go to the bathroom. All of a sudden I come back to my room and I'm screaming in excruciating pain. I couldn't even sit on the toilet because oh. it hurts so bad. Oh, no. And I didn't know what to do because I had never experienced something like this. Yeah. So I was like, do I call 911 because my hip is hurting like this? Right. So I actually called my doctor okay. on her cell phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm in so much pain. Oh. Like, my hip is like, I can't move. Like, uh-huh. and I'm telling you, like, I've been in a lot of pain. But, yeah. Like, I was screaming, crying. Oh, my gosh. And so I ended up having my mom call 911 because I couldn't bend it, so there's no way I could get sit in the car. Right. And so I ended up going to the hospital by ambulance, and I actually had an infection in my hip. So <laughs> the same fungus that took out my lungs, yeah. during the point it was in my bloodstream, a right. small amount of the fungus must have got stuck in my hip because fungus grows fairly slowly if it's, like, you know, yeah. not in, like, a dire spot. So... It was the fungus from my lungs had gotten into my hip, and so obviously they were, like, very diligent about getting rid of it because they didn't want it to be reabsorbed into my bloodstream. Of course. So, so yeah, I had last year – no, sorry, not last year. Wow. In 2017, I had three surgeries on on my hip, Uh and then in 2018, I had – Two, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's um, that's really, I can't believe that. So the fungus that was that hurt your lungs that made you have a transplant decided to go wreak havoc on your hip. Yes, exactly. So what did you have to do after for that recovery for your hip? Because I'm sure it was a lot. Because with our new lungs, we have to be moving and keep yeah. moving, and with a hip that's, you know, you have to have surgery on hips, it's going to be hard to move. Yeah, so I actually, so I always worried about this, but then I talked to my doctors and they said, your lungs are looking perfect, and I haven't had any rejection, but because I was bedridden for four months nearly, Mm -hmm. and then I had these hip problems, Mm -hmm. my lung function never really got over 70%. So, but, like, I still feel like I'm breathing normally. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, So, yeah, I didn't really exercise that much because of all my hip problems. I did very Mm -hmm. light physical therapy. Uh And then when I didn't have hip problems, I could do bike riding and stuff. And then my hip problems came back. And then they were just way worse than before. So, um, at first I had to get a spacer, which you can't bend past 90 degrees. And you really can't do a lot of exercises. So, I had a home physical therapist come and we would just do basically stretching and like tiny leg movements but after the actual hip replacement I mean it actually wasn't bad okay six six weeks you're restricted movement but Mm -hmm. nothing like crazy restricted you just can't bend past 90 because they want to make sure your muscles tighten up and so it doesn't like pop out of place Mm -hmm. but even before then I could do a bike as long as the seat was high enough and I wasn't bending past 90 Mm -hmm. and then two months after my hip replacement I went hiking in Colorado so yeah, wow. it was. It really wasn't that bad, actually, compared to everything else we've been through. Oh, like, for sure, that's incredible. So. And you're doing well now. And yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Your story is just insane to me. Just like how how much you went through and just doing it, having to have a transplant so quickly, and 
I'm just so grateful that you are uh, having breathing and you have a new hip and you're doing well and it's CF Awareness Month, so I'm going to let you have the last word on this. So okay. you, you can tell the folks anything you want to, anything else you want to provide, and we will just say happy uh, CF Awareness Month. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say, like, appreciate the life that you've been given. And if you currently are waiting for a list, um, sorry, waiting for a transplant, keep going. Trust me, it will come. I mean, Tiff, of anyone knows, she waited nearly she waited nearly three years. So just be patient yep. and remain positive. And if you're struggling through post-transplant with complications, I can attest to you that it will get better. Mm-hmm. I felt like it never would. And now I look back and it's, as my doctors say, I look back and it's just a bad nightmare yeah. um, that I went through. But mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to be breathing so much easier. I've moved to Richmond. I live on my own with my little doggy, mm-hmm. and I'm back to like just loving life. So, um, either keep waiting and be patient, and I promise things always get better. And happy CF Awareness Week! Month, month, month. yeah, all month. We got yeah. a whole month, girl. I all know. purple all day. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I know a lot of people are gonna love hearing it, and just be inspired and everything. So if you want to follow Jackie on Instagram, it's at Priceless Breaths. Yes, Priceless Breaths. (laughs) It sounds so weird saying out loud. Yeah, it does, right? All right, well, thanks, Jackie. Thank you. All right, big thanks to Jackie for coming on the podcast. Uh, That was an incredible story. Oh, yeah. She's incredible going through all that. Oh, totally. Honestly. You are... uh, you are 100% correct. Uh, but that's it for the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed uh, both Jackie's and Will's interviews. Um, yep. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more cystic fibrosis uh, spring to interviews just so uh, you, we'll keep the CF Awareness Month uh, podcast rolling. Um, yeah. Again, uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and GunnerSizing.com. If you're on yep. iTunes, make sure you give us five stars. Uh, as well as a rating and a, I mean a review and a subscription. I did the same thing last week too. Uh, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram at breathe underscore in underscore pod. That's also our email address, breathe underscore in underscore pod. Um, and that's it for me. Slide Tiff- in the DMs. Yes, slide in the DMs. Tiffany, do you have anything to add? Um, just we like reviews on iTunes. <laughs> we love we love them, and we've been getting a lot more. And I love reading them. So. Please go let us know what you think, especially with this CF Awareness Month and these interviews. Let us know. Yeah, let us know if you like them. I mean, we uh, uh, whether you like it or not, you're going to be getting them for the rest of the month. But we, we, we <laughs> I guess we want to know if we want to keep doing them uh, after CF Awareness Month comes to a conclusion here right. in the next couple of weeks. But uh, thanks again for listening, and we will see everyone next week. Bye.